Welcome to another episode of uh, F It I'm Doing a Podcast. I'm Curtis Wakanda's variant MCU grief counselor. And I'm just chit chatting on here. I'm off finally, so I feel pretty good about myself. An hour early, too, so it's awesome. Uh, I thought I'd discuss for a minute um, the Rifleman series. And I know you're going the Rifleman series. What the fuck? Uh, I'm going. I'd like to talk a little bit about my history with the Rifleman series, uh, how it was kind of like my gateway to bonding with my dad as a kid. Because every kid has something that they bonded with their family with, whether mom or their dad. With my mom, it was horror movies. With my dad, it was westerns and comics. Uh, not your typical comics, though. I tend to. I gathered by reading what he read. And so there was a lot of Conan, and there was a lot of uh, eerie and creepy, and I, that's part of the reason why I became even more horror fan because creepy and eerie were were some excellent comics. Sidebar here with creepy and eerie, real quick. Eerie, real quick. Just sit sit back with me, and we'll I'll tell you this tale. Creepy and eerie were uh, two horror comics. Uh, which is rare now because there's not a lot of horror comics out there in the mainstream. And there's not a lot of horror that's adapted from comics other than Walking Dead that a lot of people know about. Uh, but Eerie and Creepy were, I think, I don't know the whole entire history on the beginnings, but I want to say they've been around since the early 70s. And Creepy and Eerie, they were pretty much the same thing. Uh, they were horror stories, uh, some drawn by uh, artists by the name of Corbin, Richard Corbin, if I'm correct. I was fascinated by Richard Corbin's artwork. I think his artwork is, there's like a, there's eeriness, but there's also like a subtlety of sex in it that enticed the kid my age, you know, like, ooh, wow, you know, and they still do to a lot of, in a lot of ways. But the creepy and eerie stories, I would love to see them make an anthology series out of. I, I don't know why they haven't. I don't know if it's a rights issue or what, but Jesus. Creepy and Eerie need to be their own adaption. Need to be some Netflix series. And all their stories need to come out, whether problematic or not. Um, they were wild. The wildest creepy story I've ever read uh, at the age of, uh, I think I was 12, I think 12 or 14, uh, was a story about a nebbish kind of nerdish guy who lived in an apartment complex uh, he was real he was always kind of like kept himself he was he was he wasn't the best guy in the world he was just a kind of nerdish guy who had a fascination uh, that kind of like for this co-worker of his who was this hot blonde uh, who Corbin really enhanced everything on her and uh, in the story, the uh, hot blonde ends up living in his apartment complex. And he's always saying hi to her. He makes a point to say hi to her. Little does he know or realize, and even at the time that I was reading it, I didn't kind of pick up on what was being done, what was being set up, was there was a landlord lady who was like really... Uh, uh, what, what's the word? She was she's very old, and she would always make a point to uh, getting him to come over and asking him to come over. And of course, he said no because he'd rather be 
coming over to the hot blondes apartment, you know, instead, you know, instead of the, the old lady you know, apartment. And one day out of nowhere, he ends up, uh, if I remember correctly, I probably, I haven't seen this, I haven't seen or read this in years, but the blonde ends up over at his apartment and she really, the only reason she's over there is because she can't get into her, her apartment for some reason and she comes over to his. And she's kind of waiting things out here with him and she is sitting there and he's with her and he's talking to her and he's all nervous and everything. And I'm not saying he's a rapist, but he has clear uh, fantasies about her. And I guess he wants to live on them. And he kind of makes a move on her. And she rejects him. Like, you're, you're shit. I would never fucking touch you, ever. And he loses it. And he's sitting there in this apartment complex. Uh choking her and he ends up killing her and she and 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 she and the way that they show it is she's she's strangled and she's laying there and he's shocked and he goes over to he, he creeps out the he creeps out the door to see if anybody's there and his his neighbor's there and his neighbor is creeping out the wind at the room too and He's nervous and everything, so he he uh, comes over to her apartment. And while he's over there talking to her, she says, uh, "So, uh, who's that body that's in your apartment?" And he's kind of shocked. What? What? You know? And she, I guess he had to leave for a second when he came back, and that's when she confronts him in, in her, her room, her apartment. And he's like, "What? What body?" And she basically says, well, I won't say anything if you do something for me. And at the end, she is doing to him what he did to her, kind of like being suggestive on her and on on him and the tables turn kind of situation. And that's how it ends, basically, with her getting completely naked, full old lady parts and everything done by Corbin. And she's creeping up on him. It kind of reminded me of the lady in the shower from The Shining. And she's creeping up on him. And he has no choice but to fuck her. Because he can't let anyone find out that he strangled this, this hot blonde woman. And that that just threw me for a loop. I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. And <clears throat> while it wasn't uh, the classic creepy story... It just, it just kind of intrigued me. It was so dark. It was so fucking dark. And it took such a wild turn. But it, it was a great story. Creepy and Eerie, they had space story, space age stories. Sometimes they're, and they always dabble between high sci-fi or sex. You had your occasional slasher stories. I think they did an adaption of the hook on the car. Uh, but I liked Creepy. Creepy was really good. Creepy ended up uh, dying away in the mid-80s. I stopped seeing comics for them. And they tried to make a comeback in the early 2000s, or I think 98, 99. And the only creepy story, it was called Creep. It was a DC series, 
It was called Creep. I think it only ran like 12 issues at best. And I've only, I only got to get, I only picked up one. Only because it was, I, I never could get them because it was so far in between and comic book stores didn't order them in bulk like they do, like they did back then. But uh, there was weird ass story that uh, I remember involving a family and it involved what you don't see. And this girl was talking about how she sees something, and her parents are like, "Oh, you're 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 crazy. There's nothing wrong. You're seeing things. There's nothing to worry about." And just as uh, you think she's she might be a little delusional, you get to see what she's been seeing, and what she sees is these huge fucking bugs that are living around us like literally the lady one of the dad has got his had got his newspaper out and this huge fucking bug has got its hands uh around it around its body and creeping around you're like holy shit and wow what you don't see years later it reminded me of a doctor who story about what you don't see out of your uh peripheral vision but it was such a creepy little story. But back to Chuck Connors, who also dabbled in horror here or there. Uh, the Chuck Connors Rifleman series, it was your 50, it was your, I want to say your 50, early uh, early 50s Western, um, which had Chuck Connors playing, uh, oh man, Lucas, Mc, Lucas McCade. Yeah, Lucas McCade. And he had his son, Mark. And... It had a sheriff in it, and it was kind of like Gunsmoke, only the main character wasn't the sheriff. The sheriff was a side character, and Lucas, everybody knew Lucas. Uh, I kind of want to see a series reboot of this old show, but set in its timeline, not current, because it would be too... It would be too... Lucas, I don't think, would be... would have the right tone for America. I think he'd he probably he might be one one political viewpoint short of being a Trump supporter, but I don't know. But back then, the, the Rifleman series was wild. In the early shows, they pretty much they pretty much were straightforward western. Uh, would basically some guy comes in the town. He's a straight up asshole. He fucks around with Luke with Luke. He fucks around with Mark, or he fucks around with the sheriff, or he fucks around with the weekly female interest that was in the story and of course it, every episode ended with Lucas taking out his rifle and shooting the fuck out of him that was their entertainment and one of the craziest episodes I remember seeing and it was kind of wild it was an episode about uh, this guy who uh, it was an episode with this guy with these glasses and he intimidating he was intimidating the sheriff and all this kind of shit and it ended up resulting in some weird Twilight Zone-esque kind of story, kind of situation. Lucas was sometimes, he was sometimes facing, he, he sometimes dealt with spies. He dealt with bank robbers, criminals. There was one where Lucas uh, had to deal with the fact that uh, there was this, uh, uh, there was this spy situation where he had to go undercover and a wino about uh, basically revealed all his shit to him and 
it always took some turns. It was such a crazy, crazy fucking show. And Chuck Connors, that was his claim to fame. Until mid 70s, early mid or late 70s, the TV show Roots came out. And Roots, of course, was about uh, from was taken was an was an adaption of Alex Haley's uh, story, where it was about a man who uh, it was about Alex it was about Alex's history, um, where he discovered where he discovered a lot about his life, and where he discovered a lot about uh, who he is basically, and in the story, um, he. Uh, I'm getting on a tangent here, but in the story roots, it was about the history of slavery in America. Now, I'm pretty sure if they ever, if they ever rebooted roots, and I say that because I'm not a fan of black trauma at by any means. Um, I think it will be fucking dark and fucking brutal. I personally would not want to see that shit, but uh, one of the reasons one of the reasons why Roots was so popular is because it came at a time when we didn't have DVR, we didn't have streaming services. It was it captivated audiences, millions of people every damn night. It was a eight part, a six part series, and it played. I want to say six part series, and it just captivated everyone. Um, I watched it because I was a young kid. I didn't know anything about slavery and, and what's going on. I mean, they didn't teach that in our schools. I mean, teach that for little kids, you know, stuff like that. So that was our education in the moment. I was hanging out with my mom and dad, and I remember watching Roots with them. I remember watching all that stuff. I remember watching the Ten Commandments with them every Easter because that's what we did. That's, you know, I mean, say what you will, but that's that was a part of our bonding. And Chuck Connors was in this, and he played a slave owner who was just, was just a piece of shit. The biggest fucking piece of shit. And he he raped a lot of slaves in this. He beat and killed a lot of slaves in this thing. Real nice guy. And no one could get past the fact that Chuck Connors played this character so well. Uh... It's not like now where an actor can play a character, play an evil, sadistic character, and no one can see him not being anything else. I mean, it really put a mark on his career. Uh, he did a lot of low-budget stuff after that. He didn't do any major motion pictures after that. Uh, he was older. I think he was in his 40s when he did Roots, 40s and 50s when he did Roots, and he was such an evil son of a bitch in it. But... Chuck Connors, I like. I liked him. I liked his. I liked his acting. I thought he could play a good villain. Uh, I loved the Rifleman series. I remember. I mean, I, I would. I would. They would do like marathons on the weekends. And I remember watching the Rifleman nonstop on Channel Two from like from like two to four. You know, the Rifleman would be playing in the background. I'd be sitting down watching Rifleman. Uh, but he just he was, that was his role. He ended up doing a couple of uh, low-budget horror films. He did one where uh, he did one. I want to say it was called Masker, uh, Camp Masker, or something or other. And he basically, for whatever it was, 
he played a uh, he played the head of this camp and of a, and a bunch of high school a bunch of kids were there and it was so funny because honestly in the 80s high school kids did not look like fucking high school kids they looked like the age of the people who hired them they uh, there were some that looked damn near 30 or or damn near in their early 20s there was no kids I mean, some of the side background characters they had in the background, they were kids to a point, but everybody else is fucking old. Um, but he plays as head of this camp, and he's this Walt Disney-type guy at this camp, and he's trying to be good. He's trying to teach and mold kids. He's got some vision. And these camp counselor kids come in, and they're not that. They're, they're, they're fucking disgusting. And... For what it's worth, um, they 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 terrorize everybody. They terrorize him, and the main point of the story, one of the main point of the movie, is they terrorize the old man so bad that I haven't seen this in years. I want to say they killed him. He gave him a heart attack, and. You think, okay, cops and ambulance are going to show up, blah, blah, blah. No. They didn't want anyone to ruin their fun. So, they lied about this guy, uh, and they moved, they disposed of the body, and they just went off kilt. I mean, they, they were like, they were like terrorizing the entire camp. One big fucking gang. It was insane. Uh, an earlier film of his, uh, that was a horror film, was called Tourist Trap. Early 80s horror film. Tanya Roberts is in it. She's the only main other character in this one that's well known. Uh, the late Tanya Roberts, I'll say. Rest in peace. And she played this uh, cute blonde who was in college with her friends. And they were on vacation. And they were, I guess, traveling through this small town which was not a small town a small spot a tourist trap and they went there to just kind of check it out but the but they didn't they didn't come there to be originally they stopped off and they just happened to find a pool how you know how how you know how awesome you know i found a pool i found like a, a stream and a lake and everything and so of course they jump in bare naked and everything and and all kinds of gratuitous gratuity that you can think of and they're being watched by someone they're being watched by chuck connor's character and all i can say is that tourist trap goes a couple of places it's a horror film where basically it's kind of hard to describe without spoiling but let's just say these ladies end up getting terrorized by chuck and his mutant abilities, his mutant his mutant personality, or he's moving shit, or is he moving shit? And it was such a weird film to me. It seemed like he was moving the stuff with his mind, uh, or th- that he had a twin that was doing it. I think it turned out to be a twin situation. But all in all, it was a really creepy, fucked up film. Uh, it has a wild, fucked up ending with a bunch of orchestra blaring in the background and, and uh, this weird still 
And if you get a chance to check it out, check out Tourist Trap. Avoid any remake of it, because I don't think the remake holds up to it. I have not seen it, but I'll tell you, I don't think it holds up to it at all. But that film was really good, in a weird way. It, it, it was so weird. I only remember it for the fact that it had a mannequin that would make noises, that, that Chuck's character made noises with it. And it's just odd, odd, just an odd fucking film. But definitely check out Tourist Trap. I think I've mentioned Tourist Trap before on a previous episode. I've talked about underrated horror films, or under that just weird and just bizarre. I have been checking out Tubi. Tubi has an amazing selection of, uh, and this is not an ad, but here we go. Tubi it has an excellent, is an excellent app. Uh, I don't think that they have streaming high def quality to it, which is why it's so free. Um, I guess you can watch live stuff on it. I have not, but I have seen, I have looked up and searched for a lot of good old shit from the 80s. They have just about any 80s so good it's bad movie, any 80s film that you would find in a video bin from the 90s, uh, it's there. A ton of Andy Sadar's films. One day I'm going to binge watch them because I haven't watched an Andy Sadar's film in a long fucking time. And while it was captivating to me at 16, I can't imagine holding up to my level of uh, entertainment or if I want to watch any of gratuitous. But there's also other stuff in there as well. So I just saw Andy Siddharth's films, old action films you haven't seen in forever. Uh, Old 80s revenge films. Uh, And I may comment and review a couple of them uh, on the show. Uh, over the next couple of months, especially during Halloween, I want to try to really do some uh, go old school and get some watch some old '80s films to see if they hold up or not. But uh, other than that, it's Friday, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And I thought I'd share that little story about the Rifleman and bonding with my dad here to the Rifleman. Uh, if you uh, have watched one of my episodes and want to comment on the episode. Please feel free. You can find me at Curtis Wakanda Variant MCU Grief Council on Twitter. I'm always sliding to my DMs and we can talk shit. We can talk about some shit. Uh, feel free. And uh, this has been F it. I'm doing a podcast. I'm Curtis and we'll talk again shortly.